Book Interrupted has been nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award. www.podcastawards.com We can be found under the leisure section. We'd like to thank our fans for all your support. Are you really connecting with a particular Book Interrupted member and want to hear more of what they have to say? With your free trial to Unpublished, you gain access to the Book Interrupted Inklings and real-life video content of our day-to-day challenges, thoughts, and opinions. Go to www.bookinterrupted.com backslash unpublished to start your free trial today. Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. Or when someone else makes a joke. She always like it's so good because she'll say things like, nailed it! So I will say something positive about Glennon Doyle. She doesn't send me hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just another reflection of the shitty way that Indigenous people have been treated the entire history of Canada. Sad isn't even the right yeah what's what's worse than sad you know like what's bigger than sad you know devastating yeah yeah that i was part of the problem yes because i wasn't part of the solution Disrupted mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is the goal, and we're gonna talk it out on Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from September 12th to October 17th. It's Kim's book pick, and we're reading From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. From the Ashes is a memoir that exposes what it means to live surrounded by prejudice and racism, and how to find happiness despite the odds. All right, so it's personal journal time. Let's see what the members of Book Interrupted thought outside the group. This is my second personal journal for From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. I was just reading some excerpts because I read the book quite a while ago and then I'm rereading it because we'll be discussing it and while I took in the story I don't know I have an interesting retention situation I don't remember specific details but I remember feelings and there's so many feelings I just reread the part where he goes out for fries and gravy with his friends and they don't give him any. And so he challenges one of them to a fight and then he has the fight and he's winning the fight. But then the kid who's losing the fight calls him a dirty Indian and says he's just going to die from drinking like the rest of them. And then Jesse describes the crowd as going from his side to the other guy's side. And there's just so much going on there. I can't even begin to do it justice in this discussion. I just feel like like there's layers. He's such a good storyteller because there's so many layers of understanding. The more I think about it, the more I get out of it. The 
unfair situation from the beginning that he doesn't have enough money to buy his own fries and then nobody shares with him like that on itself is painful like you're those are supposed to be your friends but they're not sharing they're even being a little bit hurtful in their fry consumption kind of like I he doesn't say as much but it seems as if they are aware that he would like a fry and then they also like they enjoy them extra like nah, 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 kind of seems like that's what's happening he feels it as anger because that's easier and then he wants to fight his friend and then he's actually winning the fight but he still loses like so that is also really meaningful to me because that's another example of how unfair it is too. Like he's winning, but he still loses. I just can't get over it. It feels so painful to think about. Like he can't win for winning. Can't win for losing. I don't know what the what the actual saying is, but he is winning, but he still is not winning. Like he can't even win when he's winning. And that's just the beginning. I think that's before drug use for him I'm not sure but the pain like the pain that I can you know maybe muster in empathy which isn't even a true understanding because our experiences are so vastly different but from my position the understanding that I have which could not be as thorough as it deserves still tells me how much pain just from one chapter and it's no wonder that a person turns to substance use to numb the depths of that pain i don't know how you pull yourself out of that and then add to that there's there's minimal supports there's another layer of of self-worth that is not there and and the self that he understands himself to be he also hates like it's just so layered he's such a good storyteller i just feel like the book is really important because he's not preaching he's just reporting he's just reporting his life and through that vulnerability like by sharing that story so much teaching is happening so i really do like that and thank you jesse thistle for your bravery I guess that's all I have to say about that right now. I'm partway through the book and I really am having trouble putting it down. It's so well written and it's kind of an underdog story. You know that in the end, Jesse Thistle becomes a professor and he writes his book. And so he gets away from all his addictions and from homelessness and stuff. And so you know that he's going to be overcoming some challenges. But until you read the book, you just don't realize how many traumatic events and problems that he has to overcome to get to where he is today. It's, it's kind of shocking. And at the same time, the writing style connects you more with his humanity than with the traumatic events themselves, which makes it, it's not easy to read, let's say. It's not easy to read because it's heartbreaking and you really are rooting for for Mr. Thistle uh, to get through all of these challenges and instead of just painting him with like a, a label like he's an addict or he's homeless instead you see the person struggling inside all of those challenges 
So uh, I highly recommend this book. I guess that's going to be saved for the book report. <laughs> the book puts a lot in perspective. It uh, makes you think about things that maybe you take for granted or maybe that I take for granted. Something as important as having shoes. So there's a the whole scene where he's in the shelter and he's talking to a friend in the shelter there. And the guy's saying, I know that you've been in this lifestyle for longer because of your shoes and pointed out that people who have lived on the streets for a long time sleep in their shoes because they know they might be stolen away and how terrible it is to not have shoes particularly during a Canadian winter. Other things like he gets hurt and when I'm recovering from an injury I have a warm place to stay and I have food and people to take care of me and you know he's recovering in a shelter and you just can't recover in the same way if you don't have a secure place to be. Now, keep in mind to listeners who are in Canada, we have free health care here in Canada. So why is somebody who needs health care and help not being helped? And it really shows the holes in our systems and how the most vulnerable are not really being taken care of. I talk about that a little bit too with um, temp workers kind of being taken advantage of by temp agencies or, you know, places where you can cash your paycheck if you don't have a bank account takes a cut as well. And, um, and because he was in such a vulnerable position for so long, he talks about these things from experience and not in a, you know, the book is just so, it's not preachy. He tells these stories in a really matter-of-fact way that you really get the sense that he's just trying to tell you a story. He's not trying to put a label on himself or other people. He wants the reader to understand the feelings and the experiences. And I think that's what makes this book so well-written. So I'm looking forward to seeing the rest. Uh, again, I know that he's going to make it through on the other side. And I just can't imagine what more is going to happen to him in this book. The feeling that most of the book is still about the traumatic events in his life. And he has to overcome so much. It just seems like it's just keeps piling one thing on top of the other. That's it for now. See you with my final book report. From the ashes. Man, what a hard life Jesse Thistle has had to live. You know, and I'm just, but I'm just really enjoying this book. Uh, I love memoirs that are told with an authentic voice. And I really feel like Jesse Thistle is really telling his story. I mean, he talks about it. I flipped the back about um, this being his memories and that some of the stuff he hasn't been able to recall because of his addiction and uh, other reasons. So he's had to consult other people and um, court documents, that kind of thing. And I, I like it. I like his quick snippets of the way that he writes, the poetry that's interspersed. I appreciate the photos that really give a view, you know, kind of a picture of what the people in her in his life looked like um, so that I can have an image. I appreciate that. I mean, some of this story is is gruesome, like his foot and it festering and, you know, really sad sometimes and angering. I mean, those people who try to, you know, put a murder on him uh, just because they think they can just makes you so angry. But there is something hopeful about his struggle and him continuing to fight. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this book to see 
you know, where he goes. And yeah, I just, I'm just really, really appreciating it. So uh, thank you for Kim for choosing this. And uh, thank you, Jesse Thistle, for writing this book and sharing your story. Hi, everyone. It's me, Kara, chiming in. I uh, haven't read too much of the book just yet. I've actually only just completed the first chapter and I've read uh, the front and back covers as well as the prologue. And even though I'm not too far into the book yet, I thought it was a great moment to just hit pause and check in with all of you and let you know my initial thoughts on this read. I just felt so deeply touched and moved already from having read the prologue and the first chapter. But I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna wait. I'm gonna uh, hit record right now and let you guys know uh, how beautiful it is already. It's one of those interesting reads where it's, it does feel bite-sized. It does feel very easy to just pick up and dive right in. You know how some books you need a little bit of recalibration when you read, like having just stopped and then maybe you pick up again the next day, you need a few moments to kind of be like, oh right, yes, okay, this is where we are. This one very easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You can just pick up exactly where you left off, no problemo. Very similar to Glennon Doyle's Untamed, where it doesn't, um, I mean, I don't know if all readers get this, but I do, where uh, sometimes it feels a bit daunting, like the size of the book or uh, the number of chapters, whereas this one isn't, what would, like, pretentious? It's just so easy to get into, like I uh, just said but moments ago, and uh, very easy to get through. It's very smooth. Like next thing you know, you've been through like seven pages, like no problemo. It, you kind of go into a bit of a time warp when you read it. And then the writing style in itself, already I'm noticing there is something similar in the author Jesse Thistle's writing. Um, as compared to Women Who Run With the Wolves uh, by uh, Clarissa Pincola Estes. Already noticing um, some similarities. I don't quite have the words or the language yet that describes what I'm picking up on, but there's something there that is very similar. And I mean, that's just delightful because I think we all know by this point, folks, how obsessed I am with Clarissa Pincola Estes. So, so far, so good. I am really, really enjoying this read. There's something to it that almost seems a bit fictional, even though it is a memoir. Uh, so very interesting. I cannot wait to finish reading this and digesting it, just watching where my heart leads me on this journey. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, but quite moving already, as I've already stated. Uh, like this is what the, this is just after the prologue, the opening chapter, A Little Boy's Dream, uh, and it's in a poem format. And I'd like to read it to all of you. I had this tiny bag, had it since my family fell apart. It was red and blue with an Adidas logo on the side and a golden zipper, the zipper of all zippers. I had this tiny bag. I took it everywhere with me. When we moved with dad, hopped out windows at night, when we ran and ran on to our next place. I had this tiny bag. Grandma asked me to unpack it, but I wouldn't do it. She asked many times after that, but I kept it filled with all my things, tucked away under my bed, just in case. 
I had this tiny bag. It had my old life inside. When I finally got the courage to get rid of it, I left it on my bed, then jumped out my window, down two stories, but the grass broke my fall. Why did you do that, baby boy? Grandma asked. Because I always dream of dying, I said, and I can't take it to heaven with me. Oh, it's just so simple, so innocent. The author's truth is coming out of it in full force, and it is jam-packed with information about this kid's experience. It blows my mind how something just, there's so few words, and yet it's a big punch. It's wonderful. I cannot wait to keep reading more, and thank you for allowing me to share that opening poem that just really grabs you by the heartstrings and pulls you in. It lures you in, and you just want to know more. So thank you, Jesse Thistle, for being brave enough to share your story. I can't wait to keep reading. Well, I'm almost done the book. I'm almost to the re reconciliation section, not quite. Wow. So I watched some videos of Jesse Thistle talking about his book with some people, and I completely understand now. Um, one of the women were like, I don't know how you're alive. And I feel that way too. Okay, so starting off, him going to Vancouver, everything that happened to him there, like, you just wish he did things differently or that his buddy didn't come or when his you know when he was living with his uncle like there's all these moments of oh, hope and then destruction and then like so much destruction where you just feel like oh i'm just thankful i know he's alive and getting his phd you know like i'm just happy that i know because i if 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 i didn't know if this was actually like a novel which it sounds like a novel his life it i can't believe that, that someone has lived had this many things happen in his life and it's just heartbreaking i would try to get through it so I, I think there's some comfort knowing he's still with us and he made it through the other side because there's lots of moments within this within his story that you see that he might make it out and then he doesn't and then he falls back and then horrible situations happen to him one of the parts i wanted to talk about about the book that i thought was really positive that i really liked is in numerous parts of the book where he's really struggling and people are basically attacking him or is in immense pain or he's in the danger of like dying again his ancestors come to him either in visions or in dreams and I love that part of the book that because I kind of feel like that sometimes when I'm having a hard time I feel that I feel the same thing I, people that have passed on are with me so yeah I really like that part of the book I love that he included that sorry I'm getting emotional he included that in his book and um, I would definitely recommend this book and I just think he's the most amazing person that he'd lived all this and he, he came out the other side. I think it's just hopeful. Yeah, it's a, it's a story of hope is what it is, I think, for me anyway. And his family, they clearly love him, even though it's very challenging. But then at the same time, sometimes with his family, even you're like, come on guys, just, you know, 
be in his corner a little more. I guess also seeing the other side, like that's hard too. And it's nice, I like how he paints both, like he paints the picture both ways. Anyway, it's not, um, it's not black and white in his story. I really like the story. I don't even know what else to say about it. I think everyone should read it. I don't want to say too much because it'd be non-stop spoilers. I would recommend anyone and everyone to read this book. I love the book. I'm not done the book, but of all the books we've read so far, this is my favorite. By uh, It's just such a beautiful story. It's heart-wrenching. It's I'm just, I'm, I'm still in the beginning phases of it. And it's just like, man, I need this to turn around for him. His, some people's lives are so hard and so much, so many kids just don't even have a chance to like, just like start out on the right foot. And it just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm on the edge of my seat reading it and I can't, I, I don't want to put it down. I love the book. It's easy to read, even though they're just like, I've cried twice reading it. It's just beautiful. Like, it feels like a short stories. It feels like little short stories that shouldn't all belong to one human because they're so emotional and so challenging and difficult. So I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens to young Jesse Thistle and... I have a bad feeling that it gets harder because he's still probably only in grade school where I'm at and it's not going well. I don't have anything negative to say. What could you say? Like this is a true story based on a really inspirational person and I mean I can tell just from the title it says my story of being Mati. Am I saying that right? Mati? Mati, I believe. Uh, homeless and finding my way. I mean, he's not homeless yet, so I imagine, like, things are just going to get more and more complicated for this young man. And I can't wait to find out, really. I don't have anything, really, of note. I mean, there's the hardest reads parts. I think it's kind of interesting, actually, how he perceives his parents in this. Because his parents don't, uh, in my opinion... Now I, I believe that people do the best they can with what they have and the abilities they have and the coping mechanisms they have. But, you know, as far as things go, not ideal from uh, a child's perspective how he was raised. And ideas about his parents, there's no anger there. There's just, you know, there's stories about them going and robbing a convenience store for food as kids with their dad. And it's like how they've received it as so much fun it's just interesting and even after the fact he didn't feel like abandoned by his parents he felt like oh they'll be back any minute and you know things were keeping them away but it had nothing to do with him i don't know i don't know maybe i'm paraphrasing incorrectly it just was really interesting to me and i don't know some kids just don't have a chance and it's so heartbreaking you know but good for him and anyone who's willing to be this open and honest about their life is just uh, nothing but kudos to how brave that is. I can't wait to read more and find out what happens to him and how he gets to this, how he gets to writing about it. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members in Book Interrupted? 
Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book interrupted. Okay, why don't you try this interruption on for size? So today, my day was interrupted by finding out that I was out of interruptions. So I had to do a little pivot and come up with a little content. And I don't mind if I say so myself. I think this is pretty smart of me. So this interruption is about that interruption, which was interrupting me because I didn't have any interruptions. How's that for a Russian nesting doll of interruptions? Book interrupted. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. I started looking at for the sales because I do a little like sales, uh, like how much sells for each of the books at the beginning of the podcast. He's done really well. Like it's called BookNet Canada. And the first half between January 1st and September 26th, they printed a list of the top 20 in 2020, the best selling books. And uh, From the Ashes was the number one book. So yeah, he's in the top of Global Mail Book of the Year, Indigo Book of the Year, CBC Best Canadian Nonfiction Book of the Year. I heard of him because he was on, I think it was one of the books from CBC Canada Reads. So I heard about that as well. Yeah, Canada. That might have been why the like tail end of the thing that I caught. You know, because it was from the CBC. Mm. Yeah, well, the Canada Reads is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but they do. So they have celebrities or Canadian celebrities who come on and they each pick a book and then they argue the book to each other. It's really interesting. And then so, and then each each uh, episode or whatever, I think episodes and... Don't, don't they vote people off or something? I've heard, I've listened to it before. It's like a contest and you... Yeah, so then every... with your book. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so then they vote somebody off and then somebody and somebody and then they finally find the, like, the book. Did he win that then? Did his book win? No, I think he didn't win. I think he was a finalist, but... um, (laughs) He was one of the last ones, though, I think. I heard of this book from that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And it's it's great because it really promotes because most people, you know, you want to read all the books because they're all interests all sound interesting. So you're promoting a lot of Canadian writers, which I love as well. It's a nice place to find a good book. Right? Yes. Like well, what is it called? It's CBC what? Canada, 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 Canada Reads. Reads. Okay. Canada Reads. CBC. Yeah, Canada they do Reads. it once a year, I think. Once um, a year, yeah. Once a year. And so you can, I'm sure you can find past episodes and there. it's just kind of fun. Oh. But then you can just, I would say, most of the books I've read from there have always been interesting reads even if they weren't my favorite okay. books they were worth the read yeah so it's, oh, that's and, awesome thank and they you. have different yeah. topics like different like themes each time so each year they have a different theme so the book has to be a book that changed their life or a book that's I don't know I forget all the themes but yeah yeah it's cool Oh, that's awesome. When you go on Jesse's website, it says that if you have a book club, he'll join. Obviously not now, but one of my friends' book clubs, he came on and she put it on her Facebook. She's like, I can't believe Jesse Thistle came to our book club. <laughs> well, it was a Zoom because it's COVID, but she was like, it's, it's amazing. He was amazing. Yeah. I thought that's so great that he did the, you know, the small groups where you just don't really hear about that, especially with big authors. They don't necessarily like join like individual people's book club yeah 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 I thought that was kind of cool that he did that uh Glennon Doyle does that as well by the way oh does she oh I didn't know that yeah you, I saw it I think I sent it to Kara that she will go on you can put your name and she, and the date and the whatever and then her and Abby sometimes show up to people's oh, Zoom that's cool clubs, mm. apparently 
So I will say something positive about Glennon Doyle. She doesn't send me hate Aww. mail. <laughs> I know it's hard with Glennon Doyle. Like, I like her book. And then sometimes I don't feel like I have a lot of extra positive comments to say. <laughs> and I, and I, then I feel bad. She's a good writer, right? Like, her book was very engaging. She is, yeah. Good writer for sure. Very good. Very, very good, good writer, yeah. Anyway, this isn't about Glennon Doyle. No. This is no. about Jesse this Thistle. Is- Yes. <laughs> Miss little comments. She doesn't talk that like Ed. She's not talking very often, but when she does say something, it's always a doozy. She always yeah. nails it. Yeah. Like so how does she do it? Or when someone else makes a joke. She always like it's so good because she'll say things like nailed it. Like yeah. it just adds <laughs> to, you know. <laughs> But it's really hard to do quotes for Leah because she often will just add in something here and there. So there's lots of like funny things, but there's not enough that I can write hmm. a quote just for her. Yeah. It's funny. Anyway, poor Leah. Leah. Oh, she feels better. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just toying with it in my head about like the timing of reading a book by an Indigenous author and then the current climate of Canada right now with the continual confirmation of these unmarked graves. I just feel like we just need to acknowledge at least the grief and the experience that is happening all over the land right now. I don't want to make it anything about us, but I don't want to not have it said because it's happening right now. And I feel like to not at least recognize would be a misstep. I agree. Yeah, yeah I agree it's too. Just so devastating every time I pick up the news and hear more about this and that we didn't know and that we should have known and that I should have paid more attention. We sh- this, you know, ah, that's all I have to say. I don't, I yeah. just can yell. This is a yelling moment. Yeah. And I think right. also the fact that thing that's upsetting, I think too, is that the indigenous people and population after doing the reconciliation, um, what is it called again? The truth and reconciliation yeah. Re- report. Yeah. It said how many they believed were in Mark Braves and it still wasn't really hitting the media and it wasn't something talked about and now that all these children are being found i'm toying with that too like why it wasn't an issue when it was just people telling us this is what happened and now it's an issue being like oh we've proved it so you know like i think that's hard too i i i'm I think it's just another reflection of the shitty way that Indigenous people have been treated the entire history of Canada, right? They didn't not know. It's not a big discovery for them. It's not a surprise. It's a confirmation. It's a finally, finally a confirmation. They've been saying it, right? And other people knew, the people in the residential schools, the policy making, you know, know, like it, it, it it wasn't that we didn't know. It was known and it was still ignored. And that is what's disgusting. And that's probably why there's a feeling of yuck and there should be, right? Because I don't know why all of a sudden it's it's coming out now and it's being confirmed. I don't know what the timing is on, on examining that first school. I don't understand the story behind that. But the story now is, yeah, it, well, this isn't a surprise. These aren't discoveries. This is finally some kind of almost like that white fragility. Like maybe somewhere, somehow, it's 
become movable where it was immovable before for for the indigenous population i just so. yeah i and i th- i just feel yuck that i like personally i didn't do more or learn more or i think that's you know i'm i'm and i'm not bringing white women tears into this or anything i'm just you know why didn't i do more and that upsets me the acknowledgement is the acknowledgement yeah. that that i was part of the problem yes because i wasn't part of the solution and yes, i was exactly what's the word that i'm looking for when you're you're just okay with things being the way they are complicit like, yeah complicit complicit i was just complicit <laughs> i i i had a bad feeling i've had a bad feeling for many years about how indigenous peoples are treated in this country and i just let it be that I didn't, I didn't go and learn more and be part of the solution. And there's that, that's that yuck feeling that, that sense of disgust with the situation and with myself. Yeah. The sense of shame yes. that, yeah, I, the shame. like I knew about the residential schools. I had encounters with people who had been to residential schools and still I felt, you know, felt for them, but that's as far as I went. You know what I mean? Like I didn't do any actions. Right. So I'm grateful because we did white fragility because it's making us be able to do this right now. So it's hard. And of course it should be right. But um, it's completely applicable, right? This would be the Canadian version <laughs> of the white fragility, I guess, but because we kind of, I guess, understood the, the white fragility experience when we did the book club then as uh, white versus black mostly, I guess. And it's totally applicable to the, to any minority, I guess, right? Any non-white person in Canada, I think that shows up with Indigenous populations uh, just as much, if not more. And then I guess that makes it more personal for us. We could have still observed our white fragility a little bit separately, maybe. I don't know. I'm grateful for that. And it's so interesting how this recognition of this tragedy, because it was a tragedy all along, is now allowing this conversation. So like this cracking open, this painful cracking open won't be for nothing. I hope the guilt or the shame we feel the lesson that I learned in the beginning of the white fragility, I was stuck in my shame with those books through talking about it, even in ways where it's like this conversation, I then was able to click over into guilt And once we're there, then we can focus on reparations, you know, and how individually we can do better. Stumble forward. Right. Stumble forward. Okay. So (laughs) we all got to cry now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fucking sad, right? It's It's just so sad. It's it's sad isn't even the right word. What's what's worse than sad? You know, like what's bigger than sad? Devastating. Yeah. 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 Well, at least now we've got the motivation to start all of us looking at all six of us. I'm going to include Leah, of course, of I've never been more motivated to learn about all of Canadian history. Yeah, and me too. It and we can off. start with this book. So right. Thank you, Kim, for choosing it. Yes, we can have also, one voice. Also, just for listeners, the University of Alberta is now giving away their Indigenous Studies class for free if you want to learn more about the history of Canada. Like, I think that's one of their ways of reconciling. That's one of the things. And it's always free. Oh, I think it's always been free. Like I heard about it back in the beginning of Corona shutdowns that it was free. I don't know if it's always been free, but it was definitely free then. (laughs) I know it's free now. It's neither here nor there. Take the class. It is free now. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking the class. So it is free right now. 
<sighs> okay. Wow. From the ashes. Right. I was overthinking it for like the last 10 minutes. I think no, it's I important think so. to talk about it. And we, yeah. we brought it up in the, uh, we did a uh, blog about it and you know, we've been talking about it already. So yeah. Like I just want like, felt like it might be disrespectful to not acknowledge it while also talking about a book by an indigenous author, but I don't know. Is that racist? Well, no, at the beginning, hold on. Let me get the book for a second. He put something about residential schools. Yeah. In his form. At the beginning his, of the book, like he says dedication that. and yeah. dedication. Oh, maybe we should say that. I will read the dedication in one second when I, when I find it in my thing. The dedication of the book is this book is dedicated to the families whose loved ones are taken or disappeared or lost to them. Those forever watching for their loved one to return home. I watch and wait with you. It is also dedicated to Indigenous children who grew up with no sense of themselves through projects like the 60s Scoop, residential schools, adoption, or other such separations from their nuclear family during which they were robbed of their Indigenous identity through no fault, no fault of their own. The pages of this book speak to the damage colonialism can do to Indigenous families and how one's Indigenity is stripped away, people can make poor choices informed by pain, loneliness, and heartbreak, choices that see them eventually cast upon the streets in jail or wandering with no place to be. I dedicate this book to you. I walk with you. I love you. I know the loneliness and frustration you endure. And he says, lastly, I dedicate this book to my wife, Lucy, who loved me back into the circle. This also goes out to my brothers, Josh, Jerry, and Daniel, my mom and dad, and my grandparents who gave me a fighting chance. Our circle is strong. Our fire burns. This book is but a torch from the hearth of our clans and is hopefully enough to light the way for others to follow. See, that's awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I forgot about that because I'd read it again a year ago. So yeah. that's obviously relevant. Okay, good. I must have known somewhere on the inside. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com. The impact books have on our lives is not limited to the words written between the covers. Some books inspire new thoughts and send us to unexpected places. Follow me, Meredith, every Sunday as I descend further and further in my recurring blog segment, Down the Rabbit Hole, at www.bookinterrupted.com blog. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Book Interrupted. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. And did you notice that he didn't start to capitalize the letter I until the third section? Oh. You know, like I know lots of people don't, and lots of people go down in a blaze of glory. Painting a picture of his life and then sewing the stories together. It makes yes. so much sense. My mom comes in here and likes like, oh my God, what was she thinking? <laughs> in, a, in a way, it was kind of a bit of a love story. I have no witty comments to add. It was just all good. It gets tens across the board. Book interrupted. Never forget, every child matters.